What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Help More, Sell More podcast. I am Jeff Burlingame, joined by my co-host, Joe Marcoux. Joe, what is up this fine morning, afternoon? Beautiful Wait, day. <laughs> Beautiful day. The sun is shining. There's there's no rain, nothing but absolute clear skies. I hope everybody's feeling good. This is going to be a great show. What's I'm, up I'm with excited. you, man? What's up with me? Well, yeah, it what's is... Going on? It is gloomy, snowing, and terrible. It's Michigan in December. <laughs> this is what happens to us this time of year. So um, I'm getting my, my blue light is coming from my key light here. That is like the only absorption of any UV or, or blue light that I get at this time of year. So, uh, you know. Smart move, though. <laughs> that sounds yeah. to me like it's a good return on investment. It it actually is. You know what it does? It brings me joy throughout a That's really, it. you know, tough time of year. A lot of people suffer seasonal depression. You can get those like, you know, those those uh light devices can be really helpful. Speaking Absolutely. of ROI, that is the topic today. I'm glad you talked about that, Joe. So today, you guys, we are talking about finding an ROI, a return on investment for your clients. And it's not cash. That's right. We're talking intangibles and how this can help you make your sales process way more effective, eliminate a lot of objections, make sales easier for yourself and potentially sell higher value or higher ticket items. So, so even if you sell one. cryptocurrency and you're selling mm -hmm. things that are providing people a great return on investment, this show is still going to be for you. However, yeah. for other people providing, whether it's programs, services, products, Listen in because the ROI, it ain't just about the 10x. There's more to it than that. Yeah. And, and even with, you know, cryptocurrency, financials, what you and I do, we help people sell more. If mm -hmm. they sell more, that's cash, right? Well, that's not really all. It, we're talking the intangibles today because the intangibles are what make the biggest difference. I put myself into a, a commodity bucket, essentially, if I say, hey, if you do burly sales, you're going to sell more. Well, 100,000 other guys are saying the same thing on the internet. That's not what it's all about. I'm going to help you sell more, not just the the cash side of things, but what are, you, what are you actually getting? Are you maybe growing your business and moving yourself towards a position of financial freedom? Are you getting more freedom from your business? Are you building a better infrastructure within your business so you can take time off? Are you, you know, uh, with that financial freedom, able to provide your family with a better vacation that you weren't able to do before? It's really those things that I'm gunning for. That is what I'm going after. And I want that for you. That's what 100%. makes a difference. So those are the intangibles, right? And those intangibles also come with, with you know, a, a, the idea of the price mm -hmm. as opposed to the cost of not going through what I like to call a transformation, right? You get this transformative mm -hmm. process of I've learned something so that I can now, whether it's I'm making more money or I'm improving my level of joy, my level of health, my relationships, yeah. all of these things will happen if you look at the, the perspective of what is my return on investment, right? What's the cost of, and then the, the other question is, what's the cost of not? What's the cost of not? How does not doing this serve you? Powerful you know, question. <laughs> great minds literally think alike. Uh, you guys, the next episode that we're gonna do is about positive and negative selling and Joe just gave you an example of it. <laughs> this happens. There it is. 
this happens every episode. It's almost like we're on the same brain uh, wavelength right now. So, all right, you guys, before we dive into it, as always, if you like the content, if it helps you, if you're taking action, if you are, you know, helping more people, selling more, effectively doing what we're trying to do on this podcast, consider subscribing to the podcast, drop us a five-star review, uh, leave a comment with that review that helps us out a lot, and be sure to join our free Facebook group where we're starting to drop more content, do lives, have giveaways, and that is help more, sell more. Search for it on Facebook, answer a few simple questions, we'll let you in as long as you're a good fit for the program and you're gonna contribute to others and that community. Join now. Let's get into the big question today. So is there an ROI for your clients? The answer, I will tell you, spoiler alert, uh, yes, there is. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care what industry you're in, product, services. It doesn't matter. Anything sold, I would say, arguably, unless it's complete trash. Let's let's uh, last episode, we talked about like some fake bike companies or whatever. You guys know the Amazon specials, like those random brands that you can buy stuff super cheap and then they break like a week later. OK, so other than those things, <laughs> if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and trust that what you're selling does have a positive ROI for your clients. And I'll go out on a limb and I will guarantee that it does. So that's a big question. Does it? Yes, it does. But do you understand what that ROI is and how to find it? We've been dropping hints for the last 13 episodes, by the way, so you can always play back and listen to those. It helps. Can you, you find describe it. what Jeff is talking about? Can you describe yeah. what that return on investment is to your guests, to your customers? Can you effectively describe it where they sense it, they see it, they yeah. smell it, they feel it? If you can't describe it, Listen in. We've got some gold that we're going to drop today. I would say a great question to ask yourself either throughout this episode or after you listen to it would be, what do I sell? Actually, best way to approach this question right now. I want you to ask this question right now. Pause, pause this episode. What do I sell? Answer the question right now. And then I want you to answer it again after this episode. And I want to see if those answers are different because I mm. think they will be. Yeah. I almost guarantee they will be. So let's dive in with story time. Like we love to do every episode. This is our format. I'm enjoying it. Hopefully you guys are. Uh, story time. Share a story about getting an ROI for your client. Just pick a client story, client testimonial. I know for a fact, Joe has 907 video <laughs> testimonials and folders categorized. So give me one example, Joe, where you, you got that intangible ROI, not just like I did Joe's program and I made money. Like, give me an intangible ROI. Yeah. You know what? The, the, the intangible ROI, and I have so many of this, uh, it, and it's so great for the SOS dojo. It's the place where over the first 14 weeks, and then people after the first 14 weeks, they continue on into the, what we call the Kaizen, the Japanese saying for continual never-ending improvement people buy the program and then they go through this transformative process and the word that i want to give over and over over again is confidence think of that how do you measure confidence tough tough to really measure that you can feel it and yet can i actually touch it i mean i can feel it can i actually touch it you guys can you can you can you take a measuring tool and go now I'm, I was at a 3.8 and now I'm at a 4.6, you know, right? Good luck. However, I have literally hundreds of testimonials from people 
who have said, I've done this program, I've continued on to the Kaizen because my level of confidence has gone through the roof. So when people first came in, they didn't know how to handle objection. They didn't know what to say, how to say it, where their body language was. And over time, and this is, I want to be very clear. That's the thing about training. It's practice. You have to put in the repetitions. And I don't care what it is that you sell. If you're speaking with people, you need to practice this approach and what whether you're doing discovery or you're doing clarity calling or you what we talked about previously on a, on our previous episode was your intake process we need to practice these and measure them and then we need to practice our closing and then we need to practice our follow-up these are all practices as we get better and they're all measurable by the way what's immeasurable is the level of confidence it's that level of feeling so that honestly jeff is probably the first thing that that, that i would highly suggest to anybody who's curious about the SOS Dojo, you want to improve your confidence in sales, come in for a free session. You want to be able to provide somebody confidence in terms of how they feel. Let's, let's go into the fitness space. Somebody who is providing personal training, somebody who's Mm -hmm. a nutrition program. Are you giving people the measurable of, Hey, I've, I've taken so many pounds off of your body with this program, or is it the intangible of how they feel? What, what do you think is more of a selling feature? I'm going to help you drop 15 pounds in, in, in three months, or is it, you're going to feel great. Let me show you this testimonial. Would you like to get the results that Sally got? See how she's, how she's beaming. You see the joy, the glisten in her eye. That, that confidence, that swagger, it goes a long way. So Yeah, I mean, much like Joe, I could give experiences from uh, gym owner mentorship, from personal training with my clients, from um, developing salespeople in the gym space to, you know, at at Burley Sales. And I I would say, let's let's go ahead and say confidence is one of those things. And I, I would agree with that. And I could probably give examples of that. But I think another one that I like is is clarity. Um. For example, with uh, gym mentorship, when I get to work with gym owners, clarity is one of the the biggest intangibles that is so freeing for them, where they've been struggling with this this decision to make or this issue, or they're they're just not they're not happy. You know, it's not always about the money. I don't always hop on. I, I don't like to be super analytical when I'm working through those issues with them. And saying, like, show me your revenue, show me your metrics. Oh, here's the problem. Your revenue's down. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not selling enough. Like, they know that. They don't want to hear that. Oftentimes, I'll just skip the metrics and talk to them as a human being. What's going on? How are you feeling? Mm. You know, what do we need to do? And, and I, I can ask them questions and work through this scenario, and we can find clarity together that they're not happy. And then I'll yeah. ask them, like, do you want to keep doing what you're doing? And they'll say, no. <laughs> and they'll yeah. say, well, guess what? And sometimes it's also permission. We'll throw a P word in there. Sometimes it's permission. You don't have to keep doing what you're doing. We can change this. We can, like, we have that freedom. You have that freedom as a business owner to change things up. You don't have to be status quo. You don't have to, uh, you know, just live and die by the numbers if they make you unhappy. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my favorite examples, because I've done this dozens of times with gym owners, is like, did you know 
This is my favorite question to ask them. Did you know that you don't have to handle member cancellations or client holds or customer service calls or emails in general or base inquiries or lead nurture process? Did you know that you don't have to handle communications at all within your business? Just because it's your business doesn't mean you have to be the one answering all those calls. Exactly. Did you know that you can just hire somebody to do that? Did you know you could maybe hire a VA to do that? Or yeah. a person for a low hourly rate that would be happy to help you out? Like there's so many options. And I, I <clears> feel <throat> like that has provided once they've once they've like offloaded that communications role, it has definitely provided a, a big just breath of fresh air, weight off their chest uh, moment for a lot of gym owners that I've worked with. Because I know it the, did for me. That was a big the, one for me. The ROI is, is, right? What is the ROI that you provide for your client? And there's so many different versions of that. And what I hear in your example, Jeff, is not just, are you happy? Because what, what is happiness to someone? It could yeah. be that I have the freedom to be able to ha not be working 16 hour days, right? I'm happy because I'm spending time with the people that I love. Yeah. It could be that there are some people, and let me be clear, there's some people out there, and I'm a grinder as well, right? I love to put in, because yeah. uh, I love my work. And so another word that I want everyone to really listen to, here's, here it comes, the word is impact. What is the impact that I'm making on other people's lives? Simon mm -hmm. Sinek asks, what's your why? What's your why? Why are you driven to work? The other question that I'm going to ask you is, what's your who? Or frame it this way. Who's your why? Not what's your why. Who's your why? Why mm -hmm. are you doing it? Jeff, you've got a family. How many kids do you have? I have two. And, and you know, I'd take that even further. And I'm sure you're going there. It's like, I do this for them. But I also do it so I can be with them. Yeah. You know, like, so I'm not like, I'll put it this way, because Joe brought up he's a grinder. I'm actually I will grind for a for a purpose and for an extent of time. Uh, but I almost always set myself up into a position where I know there's an end point to that, where yep. the grind ends because I've created I've developed an infrastructure in which supports me uh, you know, being or being able to do what I want to do or having the freedom that I want to have. So for yep. example, like if I have to grind for six months so that, uh, my family is supported well enough and I feel like I can provide my children, both of my daughters who are five and eight and one's about to be uh, six in the next couple of days here. Nice. Um, so, you know, I want to provide them with like the the gifts that they want and take them to places that they want but what's more important than gifts and 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 travel it's it's you time, time. it's it's time. being there that time that's it so i want to set us up not just not just like i don't care about having all that extra cash necessarily i want enough to support them to uh have a happy family life and a good house you know with a with a new roof that i just put on over our heads nice. so that we're happy. You know, we're not dealing with issues. No squirrels! But, but it, well, we're working on the squirrels still, but we'll get there. Uh, but, you know, I want to have that provided, and then I want to be able to give them the time, right? So I will grind on, to get yeah. to that. And that return on investment is so critically important, right? So whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're offering, whether it is a product, you know, somebody's buying a boat, right? Mm -hmm. Why somebody buy a boat? Well, you think of it. 
Is it because uh, it could be because, hey, I need to get to point A to point B. Okay, that could be the issue. What's point A going from the slip, getting to the cabin? And then what else do you do in a boat? You could go cruising, you could go fishing, you could mm-hmm. have adventures. And so what does that mean? It, it, right? There's another example of the, the why, the impact, the memories that you have. Is it the boat where, yeah, this comes with a 300 uh, horsepower Merc on it, it's Verado, blah, blah, blah. No, What's the return on investment yeah. is the memories that you will have with your friends, your family, your loved one that you do it like that. That's so what's the ROI? And I think of the word impact and mm-hmm. like, is it, is it for you? Is it for your ego? It's, it's generally when you think about it, when your heart's in the right place, right? when you're out to help more, you'll sell more. Who's your why? What's your why? Yeah. Who's your why? Answer those questions. And it'll be interesting. What is it that you sell? Think of what Jeff asked earlier. Already, what are you selling? It should has, be changing. Has, have, you, have you thought about what that is? Because we're not done yet. Yep. So we, we talk about this every episode, right? Like you guys should ask more questions than you make statements. You should always be asking more than you make statements. As soon as you make statements, the most common statements you're going to make are going to be feature dumping statements. Like, (laughs) check this out. You need this. You want this. You can't. Telling isn't selling. You can't tell me what I need. You can't tell me what I want. I need to tell me what I want. So you have to ask me questions so that I give you what you need to help me make the the purchasing decision. I want to buy. I don't want to be sold to. Right. And that when you think in terms of of ROI, when you think in terms of how we're trying to tweak the definition of ROI for you guys, and it's hopefully already changed a bunch throughout this episode, and maybe it changes more towards the end of the episode. But when you think about the ROI, the only way you can figure out what impact you potentially your product or your service potentially could have on this person is to ask them a bunch of questions, right? So we've given a ton of examples on the show throughout the past 13 episodes. Uh, let's, let's shift gears because we always talk gym and I always make fun of furniture stores, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, Joe and I have a, a buddy who works with the, uh, SOS Jojo and, and lead cycles. Who's a like 20, is he 20, 25 year furniture sales? He's 25 veteran. years in the furniture industry and yeah, <laughs> so no and he still pulls out some of the old stuff and it's like, Chris, you got to change, man. And he even admits it. He goes, yeah, I'm so, it's so ingrained into my psyche and yeah, it, like, it the, the tactics that. And again, I've said this before, you're better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. So it's great to know all of these tactics so that you can pull back. Yeah, that's really good. Let's shift to a uh, at least I've never been in this industry, but maybe you have car sales. Have you you ever sold a car? I've, I've actually I've actually done sales training for the auto industry, even though that I have not personally awesome. sold cars, I've done sales training in the auto industry because keeping in mind that, you know, I've been in the bicycle industry, I've been in the electric vehicle industry, the mobility mm-hmm. industry. So a lot of the same things yeah. in those industries definitely translate to the auto industry. And interestingly enough, Jeff, there there are some people that are in the auto industry that have now gotten into the electric bike industry. So mm-hmm. there's this crossover. Just as an example, which companies currently have electric bikes? Just that here we are today. As of today, as the recording of this of this podcast, Porsche just last week, Porsche just bought an electric bike company. They're coming out wow. with an e-bike. Audi's been building e-bikes for over five years. BMW for over five years in the European market. So there's a lot of bicycle. 
bicycle companies that are mm-hmm. into e-bikes, let alone bikes. Uh, you know, the, the, the Volvo and Trek had a, uh, a, a the the Trek the, the Trek had a had a had a bike built just for F- Volvo customers. So it's interesting. So going going into the auto industry wasn't a stretch because a lot right. of the techniques, because sales in and of themselves, we talk to people here on this podcast, program, service, product, it's still a sale. And yep. the approach of ROI is so important. So if you're going to buy a car, what's the return on investment in a car? I mean, we all know it's probably the biggest depreciating asset that you'll ever purchase. Yeah. So it ain't cash. Your, your Kelly Blue Book value is going to be trash in a couple of years, you guys. It's actually, it depreciates the moment you drive off the lot. You drive right? it like off the lot. The, you You're drove off the lot, you lost, you lost a third of the value immediately. Boom. You drove 500 yards, third of the value gone, right? That's so it. it's not cash. And, and this Same is my cash, point. It, it, it's that, again, there's an ROI in every single industry. And that's why I want to pick on some new industries. I'm, I'm going to vary it up in the next coming episode. You guys, don't worry. It's not always going to be gyms, furniture sales, and electric bikes. We're going to, we're going to give new examples. So well, if you're I'll in the car industry. Today. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think cars is, uh, first of all, car salesmen and women always get a bad rap. Right? Oh, that the is biggest the stigma in sales ever. Pic- picturesque, like, used oh, car salesmen. You know, like... I think of Danny DeVito. Hey, buddy. Yeah. I think of two two of my favorite are Bernie Mac in Transformers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. And Danny DeVito in, uh, what was it? It was uh, the telekinetic girl. Um, It was like a 90s movie. Oh, my gosh. Bill Paxton in True Lies with (laughs) with Arnold Schwarzenegger in that Corvette. It's so hysterical because it's you. Yeah. It's so ugly. It's just yeah. he's wearing the he's wearing the polyester pants and exactly. the plaid shirt. It's just terrible. Yeah. Exactly. Or or uh, Steve Martin in any Steve Martin film. All right. So <laughs> like, like going basically he's he's the he's amazing. He's no, like he's good at it. The yeah. used sales car or car salesman. Um all right, so let's let's dive into this. So if you're selling a car, you ask the question, what is the ROI? Well, the ROI is not cash. Obviously it's depreciating value immediately upon driving it off the lot. People argue vehemently against buying new cars or leasing because there's, you know, a huge waste of money, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right. So what is the ROI on a car? Well, it could be a number of things, right? So I'll give you an example from my experience. I think I've shared it on the show. We were buying a used van. Now, I've since sold the van. We have we are no longer a van family, right? And we're happy Woo-hoo! not to be. But we got a van because I got two little girls, right? Uh, and we wanted, you know, sliding doors make it easy. You know, the, the electric doors and all that stuff makes it a lot easier to get kids in and out of car seats. So we're looking for this van. We go to a car dealership. The guy is basically not helping us out at all. We came in there and we we're like, we want a Dodge Grand Caravan. Like we told, we had you to tell him everything. Wanted. I was yep. like, I want this. I'm spending this much. Show us it. Like, and that sometimes that unfortunately is the experience that people have at these car dealerships. And, and that's why companies like CarMax exist where they're just like, oh, people hate the sales process when really they just hate being sold to. If right. instead car dealerships would 
tweaked that process where it was more about like, tell me about you. Like, what were you hoping to do with this vehicle? How do you want to feel in this vehicle? Is it for long distance transportation or short distance? Do you live locally? Like, are you just looking to show it off? Are you going to transport a bunch of different people in it? Like, do who's you want to carry it? cargo? You know, who's driving it? You, your, your teenage daughter or son or whatever? Like, ask those questions. And I've experienced that in my, my I've gone through, I don't know, seven, eight vehicles. I've never had that experience. No, not once. It's always been, I do the research. I look up all the Kelly blue book values. I get like the price range. I figure out who has the car I want. Then I go to that specific dealership and then I say, I want this car. And then they basically sell it to me. I ask for a discount and that's it. Yep. That's a, that's a terrible process. And it doesn't have to be that way because the ROI on a vehicle, a vehicle does what it gives you. There's one word that comes up right away. Freedom. A vehicle gives you freedom. And there are unfortunately many people who cannot afford a vehicle and do not have that freedom and they have to walk or ride the bus. And that's just, that's not freedom because that's time lost. That's, you know, uh, other expendable income lost, um, you know, to travel in that way. And it's unfortunate. And those of us that do have the opportunity to have a vehicle, we have freedom. You, There's you another thing that take the, it for the, granted too. You the, can go anywhere the, you want, anytime. <laughs> the vehicle, the vehicle also provides you in, again, depending on the brand, mm-hmm. the vehicle will also provide you a sense of style. Yeah. The vehicle will also provide you status. Safety. Like it or not. Right. Right. And then, and then there's, then there's experience because there's different type of driving experiences. Did Mm -hmm. you want to get into a, you know, like a smart car, you can drive a smart car and, and like not necessarily the most practical vehicle around. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily give you, you know, for some people it's a status thing because they're saying, Hey, I'm, I'm smart and I'm being fuel efficient and, and whatnot. It's certainly not a level of performance, right? These are all mm-hmm. things that we pay for. And this is, we're talking automobiles. Yeah. You could do the same thing with other products, right? Some people will never walk into your kitchen, right? Think of it. You'll walk into a kitchen and yet I love different kitchen appliances, Yeah. right? Like what's the toaster? Like I've got this Delonghi t- toaster. It's freaking beautiful, man. And like, I'll give you a great example. Let's go even further. Like as crazy as this is, I was in a, in a, in a kitchen store. I love kitchen stores, by the way, like with all these different appliances and, and like, so I went in and I was looking for a salt and pepper grinder. I wanted a salt grinder and a pepper grinder and like salt grinder, right? Most people, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to say, no, no, no. I'm looking for a salt grinder. So this woman starts talking to me and she was fantastic. And, uh, and, and, uh, yeah, so we were, and the way that she approached it and I'll mention brand names. I, I said, I love the look of this one salt grinder mm-hmm. and it was a Trudeau and it was beautiful and everything else ceramic and, and, and it, it, the feel of it, the weight of it. And then I looked at a different brand called Peugeot and this is what she said. She, I looked over at it. It was more money. It just didn't feel as substantial in my mind. I wanted to like, this thing was beefy that I had the Trudeau. The way that she sold the idea of the Peugeot to me was, oh, that's a Peugeot. <laughs> now, 
<laughs> the way that she said it, it like who's the status symbol? Yeah. The status of this salt grinder, you guys. Yeah. So what's the return on investment for me as a person who is this? Like I'm, I, I love different kitchen appliances, right? I like it, it's 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 a salt grinder, right? You can go to a dollar store and buy a pink ham, pink Himalayan salt grinder. Yeah. It, yeah, you know, it, it'll say Dollarama on it, right? Or do you spend, you know, like whether it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks and you have this, this is mine. I put yeah. chunks of salt in and it grinds it myself. I'll tell you what, I prefer the look of it. I'm willing to spay, spend extra money on it because it, it, at the end of the day, if you closed, if you close, if I close my eyes and I tasted the food, hey man, dollar <laughs> store or the Trudeau or Peugeot, guess what? But what's the what's the return on investment for me as the buyer? And again, I didn't get sold. I bought. Mm -hmm. That's the yeah. difference. The return on investment for me is how I felt, as crazy as this sounds, how I felt about a salt grinder. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I'll give you a, a holiday example here, guys. Ready? Chocolate. Um, you can get cheap dollar store chocolate or you can get Ghirardelli chocolate mm. or lint. You can get those, right. uh, uh, what are those, like ro Rochers or whatever, those yeah, like Ferrero Rochers. Yeah, yeah, I could eat a whole like box yeah. of them in a sitting. Yeah, There's just exactly. never enough. But they are, what, they're they're gold wraps, like yeah. they're all fancy looking. That's a status thing, man. That's a status absolutely. thing. And do you people absolutely... will pay for that. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you need that? No. Could you get away with cheaper chocolate? Yes. But why are you buying it? Well, and then the questions then become, if we're using chocolate as the example is, you know, so you, you, you can start asking people. And again, most of these, the chocolate example is an impulse buy. You're usually walking in a grocery store and you're taking, and there's a whole other, we could talk about merchandising on another okay. episode, which is so critical. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes down to it, if you were in a chocolate store and you, because I mean, there, I'm sure you have them in your town. There are people that are professional chocolatiers. And you pay a premium for them. Like this is, you go to a Calbo chocolate store. I mean, and these are people that are trained from Calbo in France. I'll tell you what, like they're, and they're everywhere, by the way. If you've never gone, go experience it. It's fantastic. First mm -hmm. of all, the chocolate is premium. Secondly, the chefs that are in there, they know what the hell they're doing. And the quality is unreal. And this is just it. It's this, there's a level of status and they'll tell you, they'll, they'll tell you what to take, like, taste this i want you to experience this and they'll mm -hmm. give you a sample and they'll tell you, you you know you won't get that waxy cheap chocolate taste you'll taste this you'll get hints of and the salesperson is asking you can you can you taste this can you and suddenly it's like drinking wine yeah. Yeah, you could buy a you could buy a you know a mm. two buck chuck over at, at trader too, yeah. joe's or you can get yourself and, and and like anything else, right? When it comes to flavor, you get to a place where after a certain dollar value, unless you're trained, right? And this is what's very interesting, Jeff, with wine is a great example. You can spend, if you were to blind taste test people, like you to a certain level, you can taste the difference between a $2 bottle and a $25 bottle, and then at, at $50 bottle. And then beyond 50, it's kind of like, nah, I don't know. If you told me this was, at least for me, after yeah. 50 to 100 bucks, I'm not an expert. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to drink wine. However, um, you know, after that, it's really tough for me to tell the difference. Here's what's interesting. It doesn't mean, though, my 
the, the return on investment, right? I don't have to tell someone that this is a $200 bottle of wine. I know that if it's a $200 bottle of wine, I'm influenced by it. If some, if you didn't do the blind taste test and you said, this one's good with hot dogs, this one's great with chicken, and this one's phenomenal with a Chateaubriand, you tell me which one you think is going to be the best wine. The hot dog wine, the chicken wine, or the Chateaubriand wine. Like, I mean, it's all in terms of the presentation, the status. So what's the return on investment? Is it just the dollar value or is it more of the, how, how does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. What is that car? Let's go back to the car example. When you mm-hmm. get into something where the, the seat automatically envelops you mm-hmm. and the steering wheel automatically, you know, it, it, the biomechanics, the, 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 the geometry of how you feel in the cockpit, right? Or are you just getting into a box? I mean, it, you're going to get around. There's freedom. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with what you're saying, Jeff. If the words that we use... And if you look up on my on my shelf, there's a book that's called Words That Sell. Words that we use are, they're what help us persuade. They are what help us influence. And like it or not, everyone, you're under the influence right now. <laughs> well, you're under the party. influence. So the question is, are you able to persuade and influence without being pushy? Can you help people get that level of feeling that status, that emotional response, so that for them, the value is so high, that's their return on investment. Because that's really what it is. So go back to, what do you sell? Are you selling chocolate? Or are you selling flavor? An experience, a flavor experience. experience. Yeah. You know, right? Like, like, and that's what it is. And the reason we're giving you guys a, a wide breadth of examples right now is because we know you're not necessarily in the fitness industry, in the sales industry. Uh, well, you're selling probably, but you're not creating sales programs like we are necessarily. And regardless of what you're selling, again, I want to stress the point. There is an ROI. There is an oh, ROI. Yeah. So we'll go back to like the service industry here uh, for a second real quick. So I want to go on to your kitchen example. Um, so it, let's say that your contractor or you're doing kitchen remodeling. Right. So in that scenario, what is the ROI for the client? If they're able to completely reconfigure their kitchen, make it what they want from cabinets to countertops to fixtures to appliances to, you know, backsplashes to whatever. Like, what does that do for them? I think, you know, your status plays through a little bit there, too, for sure. But I think about like how you feel in a kitchen. I'll give you my example. So. Uh, my previous home, we used to call our kitchen, the one butt kitchen. There was only room in that kitchen for one butt. And as soon as there was more than two people or two butts in that kitchen, it was crowded. It was a problem. It was frustrating. So how did I feel about my kitchen then? Hated it. Hated Mm. that kitchen. Like terrible kitchen. Moved to the new house. Now we have a six butt kitchen. It's actually got like uh, we got a little cart there for like our coffee and drinks and wine and stuff is all up on there. You can go in there. You can make yourself a little bevy. You can get your coffee in the morning. You're not in the way of anybody. You know, we got plenty of room around uh, the stove, the dishwasher, the sink. What's the difference here now? I have that space. It feels like it feels like home. If I were to say, how does that make me feel? It makes me feel at home. It makes it's me bigger feel than like, that, Jeff. I'm here in pride. You're proud. Yeah, I feel of good. Where you I are. was 
I was just getting to that, man. We oh, just hosted thanks. We hosted Thanksgiving at our house. This is the first time I've hosted a holiday in a house that I've owned in my life. How do you feel? Amazing. Think Amazing. of being a like, real estate agent. Same thing. Never mind the person who's the home contractor. Yeah. Same thing. This is going to be your, it's not just a house. Mm-hmm. It's a home that you can feel proud of, that you can invite people in. And what are you going to be doing in these kitchens and in these homes? You're, you're creating memories, yeah. memorable experiences, things that you're going to, when, when, like when, the inevitable reality of our lives is that we're going to die. And the fact is that when I go, Wait, I can't what? take anything with me. I can't take anything with me. Hopefully, I get to take these memories yeah. and these experiences and th- that feeling of love, that feeling of yeah. joy, that feeling of happiness, that feeling of there's nothing wrong with pride. It's not a guilty mm-hmm. pride. This is healthy in terms of, you know, I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my own parents. I'm proud of the food mm-hmm. that I put on the table. And so, yeah, pride and ownership, people feel that way. And the other thing too, whether it's a kitchen or whether it's exercise equipment or, uh, I, I, again, I'm coming back to the electric bike, it's fun. Mm-hmm. What am I selling? Fun. How much joy and fun am I offering someone? Mm-hmm. It's a return on investment, right? Selling health, guess what? It's longevity. It's, it's better performance in running around the kids, better performance in sports, better performance in the bedroom. Are you kidding me? If I have better health and fitness, I'm my wife is going to be like, I don't know what you're on, but man, keep doing it. You bet, girl. That's health. You want to say that the return on investment isn't important? Yeah, hell yes, it's important. And, and again, I mean, we, we cower sometimes about these conversations and yet when we set ourselves up as the authority in our space and i remember i can't remember the movie it was a movie with dudley moore and it was funny because they were talking about advertising and it was it was uh the the advertising for a certain car where where it and it was basically the car that you bought to get laid and it was hysterical (laughs) right and and then because it, 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 it was funny because you know people some people get into this midlife crisis and they have to buy a mm-hmm. car to make themselves feel younger. Well, mm-hmm. you know that for them is their return on investment. I'm not suggesting that that's the right play. I just find it funny. Yeah. You go back to the emotional response, right? The left center, yeah. right? The left brain is going to go price, price, price. The right brain is going on emotion. If you're focused on purely the money and you're driving that car off the lot, you ain't, you're not going to sell a car to you're somebody. Losing. Yeah. 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 Hey, you're, I'm not selling you on the idea that, Hey, you know what? You're going to be losing 33% as you drive away. The right brain is going on. How does it feel? How does it handle? Yeah. Is this going to be functional for you? You know, going over those questions that we start right back from the beginning that, that Jeff and I talk about discovery, mm-hmm. clarity, what is it about? It's not about us. The center of universe is the person that I'm asking questions to. Once I get there, I can create the return on investment for them based on how they feel. You're going to walk away from anything from this episode is get that emotional connection when we find out what their challenge and or their solution that they're looking for, whether it's problem agitate solve or simply discovery. Man, oh man, we do a good job of that. That person's going to simply say, Jeff, what do I need? What should, what else should I get with this? Yeah. And that, that feeling, I would say, if you do a good enough job during that discovery phase, they feel 
that feeling now. Of course. Like they should be feeling it at this moment saying yeah. like, yeah, like imagining, envisioning themselves in that vehicle, for example, just saying like, yeah, that feels good. Feels good. Mm -hmm. to own this. It feels good to have that salt shaker, to have that bigger kitchen. It feels good to have have lost this weight even prior to them losing this weight. So I want to I want to layer on this real quick for you guys. ROI can also compound. Mm. It can compound. It's more yep. than just even what we just talked about. That's just the surface, man. Because then once they lose that weight, it's more than they dreamed. Once yep. they get that new kitchen, it's more than they dreamed. All of a sudden they realize like, oh, I can also do this now. Right. It compounds. They can do more with that. New so, kitchen. I just found I, I know where everything else is now. I've got yeah. space for all of my stuff in the, and it's I know where it is. Yeah. I'm more efficient now. Yeah. I can, I can cook with less stress now. And I can I have more people in the kitchen with me while I'm experiencing yeah. this. It compounds. There's Love more it. to it than even what you can figure out in that initial discovery phase. And you'll find that out later on throughout the, you know, the, the time that they're a client. If you sell cars, repeat business is a big deal. So if you make that experience enjoyable and you do a good job with this and they, they see that intangible ROI in their eyes and then they, they have that vehicle and then they have that, uh, that experience and then it compounds, they come back again to you. You're like, I want another vehicle. I want another experience mm -hmm. that you gave me. Um, you know, every example that we use has an opportunity to have compounding ROI. And the salesperson. It, sorry, Jeff, because I, I, what yep. you're saying about compounding is so important as a salesperson, if you're in, in, in auto sales, in gym sales, in bike sales, in product sales, I mean, mm -hmm. the recurring revenue is going to be important. The recurring revenue for the example of the auto salesperson is eventually there's going to need you're going to need another car could be years down the road. And it's who do you know who mm -hmm. you're going to come in for maintenance. Right, regular scheduled maintenance, which there's a cost. So there's profit dollars in scheduled maintenance. And as they come in, there might be new features, there might be new accessories, there might be new experiences that you can offer within your dealership. Or you could just catch up with someone and say, hey, real quick, Jeff, how's the car going? How's the new truck? Yeah. Can you give me an example of what you've done? Is, is there anything that you are surprised with that you've been able to do or that you've experienced since owning this. And suddenly you've got what, as a salesperson, I've got new content. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just, Hey, this is Jeff. And he bought a Toyota Tacoma. No. Hey, this is Jeff. He bought a Toyota Tacoma from us three years ago. Jeff, tell us a little bit. And then Jeff tells a story that people can now imagine themselves, right? Yeah. This comes back to what are, what's your, this is becomes a, you want to compound? I'm lead generating with social proof that I put out there. And it's not about here's the truck, here's the horsepower, this is the fuel economy, and there's the price. It ain't about that. I think a great point you're making there too is that if you guys are reaching out to current clients, the conversation should not be like, hey, Jeff, how's that truck? It's good. Awesome, man. <laughs> Let me know if you need anything else. You know, it, it like, <laughs> oh, God. where are you going with that? That's not doing yeah. anything. So to Joe's point there, he just brought up like, instead of that, hey, Jeff, I, I'm stoked for you with that truck. How's that been going for you? Oh, it's been going good. Cool. What have you been able to do with it? What do you, yeah. if you don't mind me asking, what do you do with your truck? And I would say, oh, it's allowed me to go fishing with a gigantic kayak without needing to get all this extra stuff to be able to cart it around. Yeah. Right. 
And that has given me the freedom that I want. I can drop in on any lake around me and I got a million lakes. So it's provided me this experience and it's allowed me to, you know, grow a fishing channel and do all this other stuff on YouTube. You right? call so, back your old client and you go, Hey Jeff, listen, man, I know that you, we, we did some personal training with uh, together and, and, you know, I'm just following up. How, how's the, how do you feel now since you've let go of 50 pounds? What has that done for your life? How are your mm -hmm. knees feeling? You t and if I did a great job of discovery, you could say, I know that you've got two daughters. So tell me a little bit about what that feels like now when you're running around with them. I mean, suddenly it's not yeah. about, you know, my genes fit better. It's the feeling that compound ROI that Jeff talked about. My God, it's priceless. Yeah, that's huge. And ultimately the, the final point we wanna make on this episode, you guys, is what you should be thinking maybe asking if appropriate, but what is this worth to them? Mm. So given the example, uh, you know, Joe, you just went through with like uh, weight loss, how does it feel having let it go of that 50 pounds or whatever, right? Whatever that, that goal was that they've achieved. Um, when you're selling through the, the initial intake process and you're saying, we're going to help you lose this 50 pounds, right? When we're initially investigating this whole situation, we're doing our discovery. What is losing 50 pounds worth to them? Jeez Louise. And that's going to be hopefully in, invaluable, right? It's a priceless thing to, because again, I'm not selling 50 pound weight loss. I'm, I'm selling the feeling afterwards. You've lost 50 pounds. And sometimes, you know, you could use this old school sales persuasion stuff is like, hey, if I waved a magic wand, you lost 50 pounds. Like, you know, how would you feel, right? What would that do for you? How would that improve your life? You mean like your daily rundown? Like what, you know, what would that do for you? Um, what would you do differently? What would you be able to or capable of, uh, be capable of doing now having lost that weight? And then we get into, you know, sort of the, the juicy details of like, well, my knees wouldn't hurt when I walk up the stairs or when I pick up my kids, my shoulder wouldn't ache, you know, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd feel less out of breath just walking around the mall or what you know whatever Jeez. right health prevention better better agility, live longer better performance, get off drugs living longer <laughs> like yeah. all of it think of it it's compounding benefits and what's interesting is whether it's health or mm -hmm. whether it's wealth in terms of roi whether it's freedom <laughs> like whether it's your relationships mm -hmm. all of these things you can you can really granulate all of this stuff down to you know, like I mentioned this before on a previous podcast, it comes down to three things, right? It's money, it's health, or it's sex, AKA relationships, AKA, mm -hmm. right? So you, you dig down because what is it about? What's it, what's the love aspect of it, right? I feel better about myself. I've, I've got more confidence in myself, right? I mean, what is that worth? That yeah. whole MasterCard campaign of it's priceless Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a brilliant ad campaign. And what, what is it that you sell, guys? What do you sell? And it, can you ask the questions in such a way where what you're offering, what you're selling to people, can it be priceless? Because that, when you do that, that's when people buy from you. And the value is high, people buy. Can you set yourself up so that when you ask the right questions, it is priceless? That's a challenge. So we want you guys to go after that. We want you to think about going through your intake process, um, asking those questions that lead your 
guess, not your prospects, your guess, mm. to the right conclusions where they can understand ultimately what they want. And I'll tell you from my experience in the fitness industry, like 99.9% of the time, people don't know what they want. They have a rough idea of what they think they want, but they don't know what they really want. And if you do a good job during discovery, you can uncover that truth, the, the real gold mm. nuggets there. What do they actually want? And then you move forward to what could be this ROI for this person? How are they going to feel? How's it going to change their life, et cetera? And once we figure that out, then we can figure out what it's worth to them. Now, you could ask that question. I'm not recommending that you necessarily have to ask that question. You want to answer that question in your head. Um, I'll tell you, if you go through this process and they start breaking down in tears, you know, thinking about what they could potentially do or change or, or become, you've accomplished pricelessness. I'll just tell you that, right? So if you get that reaction, it's priceless. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, again, you could always ask them, but if they say, what's this worth? I don't know, 250 bucks a month. Well, you're in trouble. Good <laughs> like, luck. You have not done a good job nope. yet. Nope. So I keep asking That's questions. 3,000 right, a year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget it. You're Roughly losing. 2,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So action step to you guys i want you to think about the questions you're asking and i want you to ask yourselves this question now at the end of the episode and maybe it's changed throughout the episode hopefully it did and you know ultimately what it comes down to is what is the roi for your clients what are you selling what are you selling and if you say just specifically what the product or service is that you're selling you're wrong so think deeper, <laughs> ask the question a hundred times. If it takes that much, write it down, uh, rewrite it. And then once you figure out what that is, what that ROI is going to be for your clients, what the common denominator is, what it is that you sell, then document that, put it on a post-it, put it on mirrors around the house, put it on your fridge, uh, whatever you can, just something where it's always present of mind. So you're constantly thinking about it. And that becomes your goal for every single discovery phase, right? Every single intake process, every single sales appointment, that's what you have to uh, find a way to come to a conclusion of with that potential client. The end. Mike the drop. end. Love it, man. Yeah, <laughs> you've you nothing else to add. You've just put an exclamation point on it right there, Jeff. I've, yeah, yeah, good. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much again for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show. Drop us a five-star review if you can. We appreciate it. And uh, we will see you again every Monday, 6 a.m. We will be dropping episodes. So we'll talk to you guys on the next one. Take care, guys.